Hi, this is Hetty. And this is Tina. And this is Love and Inclusion in, in the, the Real World. world. Um, we're so glad that you've come back for episode three. Um, we're super excited today. We have a guest here in the queue. Um, we are going to talk today about social inclusion. Um, and so we really thought we wanted to take just a couple minutes to sort of ground us in um, what we even mean by that. Um, what we know is that there is not um, a widely accepted definition of social inclusion, but we also know is that the idea of it is embedded um, in the laws that guide education, that guide access in the community. Um, even internationally, there's language that supports the idea that um, everything that we do in terms of giving people access, the goal of that um, is to give kids and adults full participation in our society. It's in IDEA, it's in ADA, it's in the United Nations Conventions on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Um, so with that in mind, we want to explore what it means, what it looks like, and what works. And I just kind of want to piggyback on um, for the IDEA. Um, a lot of people I know in the past have said, what does that mean, Tina? So um, I just kind of, um, and ADA, um, I've had people tell me before that they thought ADA was the American Dental Association. Um, but it's, Association. Right, oh yeah, Diabetes Association. <laughs> so I just kind of wanted to, for all you um, non-people who don't know all these acronyms, welcome to our world, and it's okay. Um, ADA is Americans with Disability Act, and IDA is, oh my gosh, Individuals, Individuals with Disabilities Educational, Educational Act. Act. <laughs> um, so I just kind of wanted to clear that up for you. And thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. So we really wanted to look at our community and think, um, who is somebody who is an expert who we could invite in to talk about social inclusion, who has a lot of experience in a lot of different situations and settings. And we decided that a professional advocate was a great choice. Um, so we're going to take like two minutes and talk about advocates. Um, down the road, we're going to do two, three, ten, ten. episodes <laughs> um, on advocacy. But um, let's start, Tina, with just some things that we think are important in a really great advocate. Yeah, well, some things I think is important in a great advocate is I, somebody that listens, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think it's really important that um, when you bring somebody to your meeting, or even if you just meet them before and just talk about what's going on, um, that they really listen and listen to understand and, and listen to know kind of where your strengths are and what's coming and where you're coming from and, and your why. Um, also, I've had a lot of other parents tell me that um, they um, have advocates and they they tell advocates, okay, here's here's what's really, really important to us and here's where we can kind of have some leeway. So um, it's somebody who listens and somebody that believes in you as as an advocate yourself and as a parent so, yeah. or individual. I think that's super important. I think an entry level piece is somebody who knows the law mm -hmm. and also understands how your um, school district and your community is or is not applying the law. That's um, really important because you need to know like where where do they see things happening in the community and in your school district too. Um, also, it's really important that you can have somebody that 
Um, and before we started, we had a little powwow with us, with our guest. And um, and one thing that's really important is somebody that can possibly, you know, take that time to kind of talk you off that ledge, right? And um, and the guest we have was just saying, well, we know that you guys all get emotional. It's your children, right? And so um, so it's important to have, you know, that, that other person that um, can, can think clearly for you. Absolutely. And I think... Um, for me, as a mom who has used an advocate in an IEP, um, I, I really appreciate somebody who um, takes the time to understand what I'm able to do on my own. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, I think that the most powerful work that an advocate does is to help you walk away from that particular situation more prepared, more competent um, for the next challenge that poses itself, right? Like if an advocate can do that for you, I think that's really the marker of a great advocate. And that um, was my experience with our guest. Um, he for sure is a great listener. He talked me off more than one ledge. <laughs> um, helped me really to know like, what is the work that needs done here as opposed to like, what's gonna make you feel really vindicated and like you've, you know, really given it to somebody. So um, without further ado, um, we'd like to welcome Matt Cloven to Love and Inclusion in the Rural World. So, Matt, welcome. Thank you, welcome, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for inviting me. This is um, exciting. Yeah. We would love it if you would just um, talk a little bit about yourself, your background, your passion, your love, <laughs> your, kind of your new adventure. My new adventure. Um, so, I'm going to start with my background a little bit because it feeds into why social inclusion and the broader inclusion is so important to me. I mean, you ask about my passion, it is my passion. Um, I stepped into the field of working with people with disabilities back in 2002. Um, and I was working in a group home up in Oregon and I happened to, for whatever reason, was assigned to what they called the behavior home. Um, so for my first time of really meeting and working with and getting to know people with disabilities, I got some of the most challenging behaviors handed to me on day one. <laughs> they became some of my best friends, to be very honest with you. Um, I didn't even know what advocacy was at that point in my life, and yet it was always the person came first. And so when there was issues, there was concerns, I saw rights being violated. Um, it was speaking up on behalf of those adults that I was working with. Um, each time I thought I was going to get fired, each time I happened to get promoted. Not sure how that works in life, but there's a tip for you. If you want to get promoted, be a whistleblower. Don't do that. But from there, I came back to Colorado. I started working in day programs. So I had the other side of service. Um, day programs for you, those of you who don't know, is... Um, you know, as your kids grow up and they're going to be adults, what are they going to be doing during the day? School's no longer in session. They don't have access to school. So, you know, are they working? Are they, um, do they have a provider that's going out and doing community access activities with them um, in our system? We call that day program in Colorado. Um, it can look a variety of different ways. But from there, I moved over into the greatest job I probably had in this field is uh, it was called a supported living consultant and unfortunately our state did away with funding for it but I was able to work with adults around their dreams. That was my first question to them is what is your dream? Um, and my whole job was how are we going to get to that dream? Um, I 
had to consider impacts of disability when getting to that dream. You know, working with a gentleman who wanted to drive a car, a race car, because he was really into NASCAR. And yet his range of motion, there was, I wasn't aware of a car that could actually be driven with his range of motion limitations. Um, we got him into the pits of one of the big races. He became friends with one of the NASCAR drivers, corresponded with him regularly, was able to go to it. He may not have been able to drive the car. We got him as close to that dream and you should have seen the change in his excitement and personality. It was quality of life. This is what we're talking about. I was just gonna about. say quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, amen. He wasn't just watching it on the tube anymore. He was connected to it. Um, from there though, I spent, you know, in 2007, I became a children's case manager. So all of a sudden I got really familiar with youth, which was a very different perspective than adults. Um, and they stole my heart. Um, it was, there is nothing more incredible than watching a family and a kiddo grow up through the ages from a very young three years old. And all of a sudden they're graduating high school and you saw all this stuff, the good, the bad, and the ugly yeah. as they developed like any other kid, um, and helping a family through that stuff. Um, like I said, natural advocacy is I always had a big mouth, probably still known for a big mouth most of the time. <laughs> uh, moved over to the ARC for about five years and recently as of April, I ventured out on my own because I saw advocacy as a need that is much greater than just our folks with intellectual developmental disabilities. We have co-occurring conditions, we have mental health, we have medical. Um, and all of these areas are impacted by what we're talking about today is social inclusion and what is the quality of life with social inclusion and what are our barriers to it? I think. Yeah. I love that, that the first question you ask is, what are your dreams, mm -hmm. right? Because like on the school level, the first question that often gets asked is what could this kid not do, right? Like, right. what is this kid not able to do as opposed to what are her gifts? What are her dreams? Right. What, like, what does she see herself as when she grows up and really working towards that? So I love that mm -hmm. so much. Um, so we want to talk about what social inclusion is and um, I really spent some time trying to look around to see if I could find a definition and as we mentioned earlier there's not a good uh, one. universe of it, yeah. So, but um, I did find some research and I, I would love for you to yeah. read that. So it was back in 2011, um, they interviewed adults with disabilities and found some common themes around social inclusion and they included being accepted. Um, as an individual beyond their disability, right? And I mean, I think that's kind of a universal thing, right? We all want to be accepted. Um, having reciprocal relationships, so that means having relationships with people that are really truly your friends. Right. Um, being involved in activities, um, securing appropriate living accommodations, being employed, and receiving supports, right? So things that they need in order to succeed in life, right? right. Um, and one thing that this makes me think of is Oh my goodness, let me think, like 13 years ago, I listened to um, to a woman speak, I, was, I lived in Virginia at the time, and she was talking about group homes, and she was talking about how um, that they had, you know, the curtains matched the, matched the carpet, like all the stuff and everything was perfect, and the lawns were manicured, and, um, but people just weren't happy there. And she like talked to talked to her residents that were there and was like, what's wrong? Why aren't you happy here? And she's, they're like, we're not living with my friends. Yeah, they were grouping together people and that was like an aha moment for her and she was like I mean I think that was like 20 years ago but I heard her speak like 12 years ago on it um, but that was an aha, an aha moment and like it doesn't really matter what that the, the lawns manicured what matters is do am I friends with the people that, that I'm living with right and and it's not fair to put people in, in a house all with the same disability and expect them to be friends right no, <laughs> no. so what I'm curious about is when you think about this list um, that with the adults with disabilities produced, 
Is there anything else that you think should be added to this list, Matt, or um, that you'd like to expound on? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is I want to expound on the what some of those young adults or older adults identified in relationships. Mm-hmm. That when we're talking social inclusion, that's our that's where we're primarily starting. I want everybody to spend a moment and think about what is your quality of life? What does that mean to you? And I've done some research on this, um, both with adults with disabilities, but also people without disabilities trying to determine where is our overlap of quality of life as being human. Mm-hmm. And having social relationships, having friends, having um, people that are part of my life that I care about and I know they care about me was almost universally the number one response. Mm-hmm. Um, and where that plays into the social inclusion realm, I'm going to take this a little bit farther, is when as families, I mean, you guys are both moms. Mm-hmm. When you're raising your children in the home, in the community, are you just exposing your child to other people with disabilities? Is my no. question. No. <laughs> no. no. When you are raising your children who do not have lit with a diagnosed identified disability, I'm very specific on that because <laughs> I've read the DSM-5 and I have probably half of what that diagnostic code <laughs> has in it, but the, diagno- the diagnosed disability, your children, mm-hmm. are they exposed to only people who live with or only people who live without a disability? Right. No, that's not the real world. That's not, not the, the real, real world. world. And that's relationships. Going back to relationships, our relationships are so diverse. When we're talking quality of life for ourselves and our children, it's what is the expansive experience we are able to offer as parents to our children? The greater expansive experiences, some of them we like, some of them we don't mm-hmm. like. That's how we determine who we are. Just because we didn't like something doesn't mean it wasn't meaningful. Just because we didn't like somebody doesn't mean it wasn't meaningful. That is, that's, that, that's the spice of life. And so relationships are absolutely vital because that's who we both connect with and it's also how we identify ourselves is through our social relationships. Um, so for adults to say that, it's really important. And Tina, with what you said, I've worked in those group homes. I started in those group homes. Right, yeah. I had those roommates who hated each other. Trust me, I was chased around cars by one of them on a regular basis because he hated his roommates. Right. Yeah. And yet he was a dynamic person and we gave him the spice of life. His attitude changed. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I think when you talk about do you only expose your kids to other kids with disabilities? And, you know, it's always interesting to me whenever, um, like I've met people before who learn that Cora has Down syndrome and then they think that I should introduce her to this other person who has Down syndrome, right? right. And so, and sometimes that's great and they have things in common and they click or whatever, but sometimes they don't because mm-hmm. there's more to them than just that extra chromosome. You know, like you wouldn't, I mean, there's not other groups that you would necessarily say, well, you can only be friends with this kind of right. kid because that's the kind of kid that you are. Right. Or right. like, or you could take it a step further and be like, okay, so you, like me, I'm a mom of three boys, so I can only be friends with other moms of three boys. Right. Like, I can't be right? your friend because like, I have Yeah, girls. exactly. You have girls. How dare you, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to take this one step further, and I hope I don't get in trouble by you ladies by taking this one <laughs> step further. But when we are talking social inclusion, when we're talking almost anything, in the realm that I work in and that you families live in is when we're talking social inclusion, it is no longer separate but equal. 
No. And we are still working within that domain when we're talking. The fact that we're having a podcast about this is there's no longer a water fountain for one person that another right. person can't drink out of. Right. Well, I read a really interesting article that draws a line between um, like civil rights inclusion and genuine, authentic belonging in a community. And I had never really thought about that because I think that I have kind of a civil rights orientation. Like this right. is my kids, right? right? But really, like if you stop there, what you have isn't really the enriching, it's fulfilling not, it's thing that it can be, right? right? Yeah. It's just what you do because that's what you have to do. Um, and I think that honestly, we see too much of that, like, it, like educationally or access through ADA, right? People doing what they, like the absolute minimum that they have right. to do, yep. right? And we really need to move beyond that. And I think that as parents and advocates, we're the pushers of that. Right. Right, like we have to drive that. So, so um, in just a couple minutes, could you kind of like add more on that link between social inclusion and quality of life, right? And just the idea that you know we want people to have well-being and a great quality of life, and it takes more than a physical presence, right, in mm-hmm. a space, right? Like just because a kid is in a classroom, or just because a person is in a supported employment role, like right. that's not the same mm-hmm. as social inclusion. No, it's not. And as you opened up with, we don't have a clear definition of social inclusion, but one of the studies that I read out there, social inclusion can be described not as not only being present in a community. And that's, I think what you're saying Ooh, right there good, is yeah. it's social inclusion is not just a presence in a classroom. It's not just a presence in the living room. It's not just a presence in the store, but also having meaningful social connections and participating in fulfilling social activities. That mm-hmm. fulfilling social activities is my voice as a person. It's, it's a voice to your daughter or your son. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what is meaningful to them? Right. And I think that's hugely important. What right. is meaningful to them? To them. Right. right. Like not, we just had this experience at camp, right? Where I, for the first couple of days, wasn't sure it was going quite the way I had envisioned. Right. And right. Derek, my husband said to me, you know, at the end of the day, we want her to have a great camp experience and a great camp experience for her looks might different, look different right? than you think that it's going to look. And that's okay. And right? Eddie, you bring up a really important point. And this is me from an outsider of a parent and a, just a professional advocate, but also I'm going to throw myself in as the professional as well. We have so pre, so many preconceived notions for our children oh, and as professionals right. of we're going to do it this way because this is going to be the benefit and this is going to be the outcome and we forget their voice all the time <laughs> right. and we all don't mean to because we love them dearly. We want the best for them. Yeah. But and we do that with all of our kids. Right. All of we our, do our that kids. With our it's not whether right. yeah. typical kids too, right? Yeah the, yeah. the difference is is when we have a child who lives with a disability, it's not just us as parents running the show. Right. And I'm going to take the whole foster system and everything out of this in my head. Right. We have all these other professionals. We have therapists that are involved Mm -hmm. or we have a special education teacher involved. And we're all speaking in the best interest of the child. Right. And yet, like I was at a meeting, I don't know, about two weeks ago. And I know this young man for a very long time and the family for a very long time. And I asked the question, what does he think of this that we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the air went dead in that room. Yeah. And so I went and met with the kid. I said, what do you think of us? Boy, I learned so much about his interests, what he wanted to do, where he wanted to be heading, what he was afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that is that fulfilling component of that. What is social inclusion? We have to have that voice as part of it. Our job is to kind of push them right into that variety of experience that、mm-hmm. they may not be aware. Of. Well, and it goes to that belonging too, right? Like that was a thing that that was important from that study、yes. when they you know talked to individuals was that sense of belonging. And how do you how do you feel that you belong if a meeting was held? And all these people, well-intended adults, right, made a decision for you, but you you weren't included. Right. And nobody asked you. Nobody asked you, right? And not that you weren't included, because maybe you were there, but nobody asked you, right? And so now, these decisions have been made. These things have been written. Whatever it is,、mm-hmm. and how do you, like, that's a disconnect, right? Because how do you feel that you belong when you when you didn't have a voice in it? And when we're talking about belonging, we're talking about community in and of itself. And I think that there needs to be a, just a brief statement about community. That community is defined by so many different factors. We have the community that we live in; that's our town. We have a community of a state. To、right. be very honest with you,、yeah. you know, Colorado is a very different culture than Kansas. Let's say.、Right. Um, but we also have the smaller communities. Of, what's my park community? Right. What's my classroom community? Right. What's my, you know. Martial arts community, right? And I think that we, when we're talking social inclusion, we need to be really considering what does community mean, right? When we're getting ready to talk about what's fulfilling, what's meaningful relationships, etc. For sure, and and you know, ideally, we need the community to participate in that because、right. it can get tiring. Amen. To initiate those conversations、totally. in all those different little、right. communities, like sometimes can be like, oh my gosh, like why do I have to tell one more person? Right. Exactly. That my kid is just a kid, a kid, a kid, a kid. Do you feel like you're repeating yourself? Kid stuff, right? Right. Yeah. So. Um, we're、yes. running short on time because、yeah, this has been awesome.、Right. So, can you share with us an, a success story? You、like? know what? I'm gonna, and this is one I wasn't. You guys asked me to share a success story when you asked me to do this, and probably three minutes ago, this is the one that comes to mind.、Okay. I had a totally different one, but this is one very, very recent, and I had no part in it. But this is one of the coolest things. Like, I had chills. I get chills thinking about this right now. Here's a young、oh, man. Oh my gosh, you might cry. Here's a young man who literally is a young man. He's no longer a kid, but right past that youth phase,、um, has had some good experiences in his life. Loving, supportive family was also, you know, involved in a system where he wasn't part of his family unit for a little while, just because of means beyond everybody's control.、Um, goes into this home, first home he's lived in as a young man, and they instantly take him on vacation. And they go down into Texas, and this is supposed to be an hour-long meeting that I'm with his family. Like two and a half hours later, we leave because he's going through every single picture、Aww. of this vacation. He was exposed to so many varieties of experiences of seeing the crocodiles, of going on these big giant swings that go 60 feet into the air. This is a kid who was also described as very, you know, kind of timid to me when I before I met him. <laughs> He did all of these things, you know. I can't describe it, but the one story that stands out, and I'm going to be quick on this. I'm long-winded, but I'm going to be quick on this. Is they're at the pool, and here's this group of college kids that's at the other end of the pool, 18, 19, 20 year olds. And this young man walks to the end of the pool, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have a lot of words that he uses. He has the vocabulary. He just doesn't use them, and he stands next to him. And this young lady, this 18, 19 year old girl, is talking to him. And yet he's not saying anything back, and he motions over the per- trusted support person that he's with, and sh- she goes down there, and 
she's like, you know, do you want me to speak for you or whatnot? And he's kind of like, yes. And so she kind of does a little bit of speaking for him. And then she goes back to where she's at. He hangs out with this group of young college kids. And this girl is just making sure he's involved in it. Well, they leave the pool. All of a sudden, they run across each other at the pizza parlor later that day. She comes over and gets him and includes him in what's going on. Right. And then they run across each other again somewhere else. For a whole day, he runs across this girl like four or five times. And this group of college kids, which are his peers. Yeah. Yeah. And he was instantly included in what they were doing at his level, at his ability to participate. Um, he was drawn in. It wasn't just being in the pizza parlor, being at the pool. Right, right. He was brought into the group and it was meaningful to him because he brought himself <laughs> into this. Right, I mean, is that not yeah, incredibly yeah, powerful? Awesome. And yet he never had that experience before in his life. Oh, not to that level, to just be given that freedom. That's awesome. To let loose a little bit. Safety was still there. Somebody's eyes were on right. him, making sure because we got to be careful. As parents, we're always going to hold that card. And yet... You should have seen him beaming as this story was being told that he remembers that girl and those friends that he made Aww. probably like it was yesterday he was there. Oh. So um, that. that's that a success so story. That is a of, success story. Right. Of what does it look like? Yeah. Right. That's what it looks like. That, and that's what everybody wants for their exactly. kid, right? Yeah. Is to have that. Well, mm-hmm. and every every individual wants that too. Yeah. Not just even that's for what I kid, want. right? Yeah, that's what we want, right? <laughs> that's what I want is for people to wake up. Right. right, 18 years old, I can guarantee I wouldn't have gone down to the end of that no, book because she was right. too cute for me to go down there. He had more like courage than I would. Right, right, yeah. Well, that's, I love that. That's so great. The right one other one, and I want you guys to look this gentleman up, is uh, we're not going to go into the story of it because you can read about him, is Barney Apodaca of Fort Collins. Okay, okay. Read about Barney. He was known throughout this town. He, everybody knew Barney. Can you spell Apodaca? Hey, give me one second because I actually <laughs> have his story pulled up on my computer because I was rereading it. Um, Barney Apodaca is spelled. So B A R N E Y. Apodaca is A P O D A C A. Um, look him up. You'll you'll yeah. read his, uh, you'll read yeah. what the Coloradoan wrote about him when he when he passed on. Um, he made such an impact on our community that that social inclusion is. He was such an incredible man that everybody respected for just who he was and allowed him to just be him. That he became integrated, woven into the fabric of Fort Collins. Oh, well, and, and we'll share. That. Yeah, and we'll share that on our Facebook page too. Absolutely, we'll share the yeah, we can do that. So we can do that. I know, right? Um, Okay, we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, but we, in in essence of what we promised on our first one was WTF moments. And last session, we didn't do a WTF moment because we ran out of time again and we forgot. But yeah. anyway, we since we have a guest, we're going to let him share a WTF moment with, with you all. Oh, a WTF <laughs> moment. Um, sometimes you got to be careful as an advocate of what your WTF moment is that you talk about. You know what? I'm not even going to talk about one moment. My WTF moments Moments, that is all overlapping is the one thing that will probably drive me the craziest is when I hear anybody say that child is not capable of learning that. Oof. Oof. Right. Because of their disability, because they live with autism, with Down syndrome, with whatever it may be, Piper syndrome, I don't care what you're going to label it. Whatever the medical diagnosis may be. That when I hear that, the first thing that goes through my mind 
And it's always a WTF moment for me because I also just saw that kid get up and walk. I saw that kid smile at somebody speaking to them. Um, I saw that child interact or have skill sets that I can guarantee that child didn't have when they came out of the womb. Right, right. Learned all kinds of stuff. Learned all kinds of stuff. Before you came down the pike to say you can't learn Right. And so when we're talking social inclusion, don't tell me a child doesn't have that capability because of a behavior, because of a medical diagnosis, or because of a speech impairment, or whatever that may be. Because I also have just seen your child show me incredible, incredible amounts of skills. And one of the greatest skills I've usually seen both of children and young adults have is they've manipulated all of you. <laughs> they've manipulated you as parents, as brothers, sisters, as professionals. Like they already knew your number and how to navigate that manipulation card. More skilled than us sitting at this table. Absolutely, totally. And so my what the WTF moment, <laughs> almost said it, is whenever somebody says, I don't think that they're capable. Because my first response is going to be back of, have you given them the opportunity yet? Right. I'm not, sure, again. <laughs> I'm not sure there's anything we can say. No, like, no. How could we add more to that? Yeah, we cannot. So thanks for joining us. And Follow us on Facebook. And Instagram. Right? And uh, kind, kind of on Instagram. Instagram. Facebook, um, definitely better. Thanks so much, Matt, for Matt, joining thank us. thank you for being here. You're amazing. Yes. I'm going to throw one last really quick thing in okay. there. The reason this is important, everybody, is... One in four people live with a disability and you are guaranteed to have one if you live long enough in this world. So you also better be worrying about your own social inclusion. Let's push it, not for our kids, but for everybody who's out there. Get on board. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. This is Hetty. This is Tina. This is Love and Inclusion in in the the real world. world.